Basra. Hannah Palemoon, early thirties, former GC nurse, presumed dead in plane crash, underground in Long Grove, Illinois. Leah Rose, early forties, former head nurse, Arthur Young Memorial Hospital, Palatine, Illinois, underground in Long Grove, Illinois. Lionel Whalem, early forties, former businessman, co-op pilot, underground in Long Grove, Illinois. Chang Wong, twenty, Ming Toy's brother, Trib Force's mole at Global Community Headquarters, New Babylon. Gustav Zuckermandel, Jr., a.k.a. Zeke or Z. Mid-twenties, document and appearance forger, lost father to guillotine, underground in Avery, Wisconsin. The Enemies Nikolai Jetty Carpathia, late thirties, former president of Romania, former secretary general, United Nations, self-appointed global community potentate, assassinated in Jerusalem, resurrected at GC Palace Complex, New Babylon. Leon Fortunato, mid-fifties, former supreme commander and Carpathia's right hand, now most high reverend father of Carpathianism, proclaiming the potentate as the risen god. G.C. Palace, New Babylon. Viv Ivans, late sixties, lifelong friend of Carpathia, G.C. operative, G.C. Palace, New Babylon. Suhail Akbar, mid-forties, Carpathia's chief of security and intelligence, G.C. Palace, New Babylon. Prologue from The Remnant For the first time in a long time, Nikolai Carpathia said, we play on an even field. The waterways are healing themselves and we have rebuilding to do in the infrastructure. Let us work at getting all our loyal citizens back onto the same page with us. Director Akbar and I have some special surprises in store for dissidents on various levels. We are back in business, people. It is time to recoup our losses and start delivering a few. The new mood lasted three days. Then the lights went out. Literally, everything went dark. Not just the sun, but the moon also. The stars, street lamps, electric lights, car lights. Anything anywhere that ever emitted light was now dark. No keypads on telephones, no flashlights, nothing iridescent, nothing glow-in-the-dark. Emergency lights, exit signs, fire signs, alarm signs, everything. Pitch black. The cliché of not being able to see one's hand in front of one's face? Now true. It mattered not what time of day it was, people could see nothing. Not their clocks, watches, not even fire, matches, gas grills, electric grills... It was as if the light had done worse than gone out. Any vestige of it had been sucked 
ripped from the universe. People screamed in terror, finding this the worst nightmare of their lives, and they had many to choose from. They were blind, completely, utterly, totally, wholly unable to see anything but blackness twenty-four hours a day. They felt their way around the palace. They pushed their way outdoors. They tried every light and every switch they could remember. They called out to each other to see if it was just them or if everyone had the same problem. Find a candle, rub two sticks together, shuffle on the carpet and create static electricity, do anything, anything, something to allow some vestige of a shadow, a hint, a sliver. All to no avail. Chang wanted to laugh. He wanted to howl from his gut. He wished he could tell everyone everywhere that once again God had meted out a curse, a judgment upon the earth that affected only those who bore the mark of the beast. Chang could see. It was different. He didn't see lights, either. He simply saw everything in sepia tone, as if someone had turned down the wattage on a chandelier. He saw whatever he needed to, including his computer and screen and watch and quarters, his food, his sink, his stove, everything. Best of all, he could tiptoe around the palace in his rubber-soled shoes, weaving between his co-workers as they felt their way along. Within hours, though, something even stranger happened. People were not starving or dying of thirst. They were able to feel their way to food and drink. But they could not work. There was nothing to discuss, nothing to talk about but the cursed darkness. And for some reason, they also began to feel pain. They itched, and so they scratched. They ached, and so they rubbed. They cried out and scratched and rubbed some more. For many, the pain grew so intense that all they could do was bend down and feel the ground to make sure there was no hole or stairwell to fall into and then collapse in a heap, writhing, scratching, seeking relief. The longer it went, the worse it got. And now people swore and cursed God and chewed their tongues. They crawled about the corridors, looking for weapons, pleading with friends or even strangers to kill them. Many killed themselves. The entire complex became an asylum of screams and moans and guttural wails as these people became convinced that this, finally, was it. The end of the world. But no such luck. Unless they had the wherewithal, the guts, to do themselves in, they merely suffered. Worse by the hour, increasingly bad by the day. This went on and on and on, and in the middle of it, Chang came up with the most brilliant idea of his life. If ever there was a perfect time for him to escape, it was now. He would contact Rayford or Mac, anyone willing and able and available to come and get him. It had to be that the rest of the tribulation force, in fact all of the sealed and marked believers in the world, had the same benefit he did. Someone would be able to fly a jet and land it right there in New Babylon, and GC personnel would have to run for cover, having no idea who could do such a thing in the utter darkness. As long as no one spoke... They could not be identified. 
The Force could commandeer planes and weapons, whatever they wanted. If anyone accosted them or challenged them, what better advantage could the Trib Force have than that they could see? They would have the drop on everyone and everybody. With but a year to go until the glorious appearing, Chang thought, the good guys finally had even a better deal than they had when the daylight hours belonged solely to them. Now, for as long as God tarried, for as long as he saw fit to keep the shades pulled down and the lights off, everything was in the believer's favor. God, Chang said, just give me a couple more days of this. Chapter 1 For the first time since takeoff, Rayford Steele had second thoughts about his and Abdullah Smith's passenger. We shouldn't have brought her, Smitty, he said. He stole a glance at Abdullah behind the controls. The Jordanian shook his head. That's on you, Captain, I'm sorry to say. I tried to tell you how important she was to Petra. The darkness enveloping only New Babylon, but visible from more than a hundred miles, was unlike anything Rayford had ever seen. By the time Abdullah initiated the descent of the Gulf Stream 9 toward Iraq, the clock read 1,200 hours, Palestine. Normally the magnificent structures of the New World capital gleamed stunningly in the noonday sun. Now a stark and isolated column of blackness rose from New Babylon's expansive borders into the cloudless heavens as high as the eye could see. Chang Wong was Rayford's mole inside the palace. Trusting the young man's assurances that they would be able to see where others could not, Rayford traded glances with Abdullah as he guided the craft into the dark from the whiteness reflecting off the desert sand. Abdullah flipped on his landing lights. Rayford squinted. Do we need an ILS approach? Instrument landing system, Abdullah said. Don't think so, Captain. I can see enough to fly. Rayford compared the freakish darkness to the beautiful day they had left in Petra. He peeked over his shoulder at the young woman whom he expected to look afraid. She didn't. We can still turn back, he said. Your father looked reluctant when we boarded. That was probably for your benefit, Naomi Tiberius said. He knows I'll be fine. The teenage computer whiz's humor and self-confidence were legendary. She seemed shy and self-conscious around adults until she got to know them. Then she interacted like a peer. Rayford knew she had brought Abdullah up to speed in computer savvy, and she had been in nearly constant touch with Chang since the lights went out in New Babylon. Why is it dark only here? Naomi said. It's so strange. I don't know, Rayford said. The prophecy says it affects the throne of the beast and his kingdom became full of darkness. That's all we know. Rayford's every visit to Petra had found Naomi growing in influence and responsibility among the remnant. She had emerged early as a technological prodigy, and as she taught others, Naomi had become the de facto head of the vast computer center. Quickly rising from go-to person to the one in charge, 
she'd finally become the teacher who taught teachers. The center that had been designed by Chang's predecessor, the late David Hasid, was now the hub that kept Petra in touch with more than a billion souls every day. Thousands of computers allowed that many mentors to keep up with Zion ben Judah's universal cyber audience. Naomi personally coordinated the contact between Chang in New Babylon and the tribulation force around the world. Having her join the flight to rescue him from New Babylon had been Chang's idea. Rayford had initially rejected it. He had enough trouble assigning himself the task of traveling more than 7,500 miles from San Diego to Petra, then having Abdullah fly him the last 500 miles to New Babylon. Combat-trained George Sebastian was better suited, but Rayford thought the big man had been through enough for a while. There was plenty for him to do in San Diego, and anyway... Rayford wanted to save George for what Dr. Ben-Judah called the Battle of that Great Day of God Almighty, now less than a year off. Mac McCullum and Albie, stationed in Al-Basra, little more than 200 miles south of New Babylon, stood ready. But Rayford had other things in mind for them. Rayford's son-in-law and daughter, Buck and Chloe Williams, both wanted in on the extraction of Chang from the enemy lair, no surprise, but Rayford was convinced Buck would soon be more valuable in Israel. As for Chloe, the international commodity co-op always suffered when she was away, and somebody had to be there for little Kenny. Store and grab all the equipment you need while I'm en route, Chang. Rayford had said, the phone tucked between his shoulder and ear as he packed. Smitty and I will come get you in a couple of days. Chang had explained that the job was too big and that he and Naomi working together could get him out of there that much faster. I don't want to miss a thing. She can help. I want to be able to monitor this place from anywhere. Don't worry, Rayford said. You'll get to see her face to face soon enough. I don't know what you're talking about. Her father is one of the Petra elders, you know. So? Only the two of them are left in the family. He's very protective. We both have too much work to do. Uh-huh. I'm not kidding, Captain Steele. Please bring her along. It's not like I haven't seen her on screen already. So, what do you think?